Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show, a show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. London Bell is a community warrior. This lawyer, community organizer, activist, and humanitarian can always be found standing for the human rights of all not just in Metro Detroit, but anywhere people, especially women and girls, are oppressed. This native Detroiter has focused her career advocating for policy changes on behalf of diverse communities. She's the president and CEO of Bell Global Justice Institute, a non-governmental organization based in Detroit. Through Bell Global Justice Institute, named for her brother, Staff Sergeant Vincent James Bell, who was killed in 2011 in Afghanistan, London continues his legacy of service. The 64th session of the Commission on the Status of Women is planned to take place from March 9th to 20th at the United Nations headquarters in New York. This year marks the 25th anniversary of the fourth World Conference on Women and Adoption of the Beijing Declaration and Platform for Action in 1995. The 64th session of the Commission will focus on how do we make the changes needed so society understands the importance and meaning of gender. Bell Global Justice Institute, in partnership with the Ruth Ellis Center, will be hosting an NGO parallel event during the 64th session on the status of women in New York. The parallel event, Promising Practices for Beijing Plus 25, Strengthening Visibility for Women of Color, will feature, besides London Bell, Deirdre Smith from On My Detroit Everything Movement, Famika Edmund from For the Love of Her, Corporal Danny Woods, Chiefs Neighborhood Liaison Unit, Detroit Police Department, and Pamela E. Alexander, Deputy Director at the Ruth Ellis Center. Their presentation will showcase gender equality and the empowerment of women. London, welcome back to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you today? I am doing wonderful. I am very excited to, uh, to be talking with you. I've been looking forward to this conversation, and I appreciate you having me on today. Well, I always think of you as one of our community warriors. Well, you know, I mean, you do a lot. And, you know, sometimes when, I, when I'm feeling like, oh, I've got a toothache, you know, I look at you and I go like, you know what, <laughs> London, 
London, you don't stop. I mean, something might slow you down for a second, but you don't stop. Yes. You have this drive and this passion for community, which is, you know, just like so admirable. Thank you. Thank you very much. I uh-huh. And I, you know, the community, you know, our community inspires me. And I, as much as I give, I also receive uh, just as much from people around me to support. So it, it's really wonderful to do this work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and part of the reason why I think that, that it is also, you aren't, you know, you could, you do a lot just right here, but mm-hmm. you do things on a bigger scale. You are the founder and president of Bell Global Justice Institute. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, many of us look at around us and say we can just do it here. There's enough problems going on here. But you determined that your influence was going to be global. Why? Yes, yes. You know, it's important to me because growing up in Detroit and being raised in Detroit, I learned about how important having a global view is. I mean, Detroit is filled with cultures from around the world, and that exposure for me stayed with me since I was very young. And I've kept it with me, and I've carried it through my education, uh, through law school, and through my Master of Laws program where I studied international law and policy. I really got that, that, that uh, exposure growing up in Detroit. Mm-hmm. You know, often, you know, because like you, I do things in the community, and I have worked with groups of young girls and women. I mean, and often I can recall like at one point in time when we were working with some young people, and their view was the neighborhood that they lived in, some on the east side, some on the west side. They had not even been to Canada. I mean, you know, which Mm -hmm. is like, you know, it's like, wow. And Mm -hmm. I've talked to women who are, like, talking about their issues and that. And then when you try to connect them to, well, you know, what is happening with you, you're also part of the, the, the broader African diaspora. There's women, yes. not only of, of African descent, but women of color worldwide who are facing yes. many of the same things. Do mm-hmm. you find that, are you able to help? local people, when you find them, you know, and, and it's not like to, to put people down like, oh, you haven't been anywhere, but do you find mm-hmm. that you're able to introduce some of the things that you've seen to, to help women and girls particularly get that broader view? Yes, yes. Um, one of the things I like to do when I'm talking with people in the community, particularly young people, uh, mm-hmm. is help, helping them think about themselves as a global citizen. I'm very passionate about local Detroiters, you know, people here at home in the United States thinking of themselves uh, as, as proud American citizens, proud citizens of their community, but also proud citizens of the global community. And it's important that uh, young people, people in the community understand, uh, for me, uh, the issues that are happening locally are also happening globally and the power of our voices and the power of our voices that we can use to advocate for ourselves, for our neighbor, but also people around the world. 
there are many ways that people become, can become involved in the global movement for human rights, and that movement also has an impact here at home as well. So, yeah, when I'm having that conversation with folks, sometimes people are a little reluctant um, to, to really, you know, dig deep. But once you, we start talking, we start really thinking about, wow, you know, these things are happening here. Uh, issues of violence against women are happening here. It's also happening in South Africa and other parts mm-hmm. of the world. And so that's the connection. And, and so I, I really do enjoy that part of it. Talking you about know, part of it. one of the things that, that, I, that you brought to my attention, which really, you know how in the back of your mind you knew, but, but you made it very clear, and which I shared once I was with a group of progressive women, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and well, just say progressive. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they were, they were very much talking about, you know, the issues of young girls um, in the Middle East, in Africa, you know, what they mm-hmm. have to go through to, to get to school. And one mm-hmm. of the things that you had talked about was what our girls sometimes go through to get to school being just as as dangerous as what they mm-hmm. perceived as war zones. And, yeah. you know, they just sort of looked at me and said, like, you know, but we're in America. And I'm going, like, mm-hmm. yes, we're in America, and these are mm-hmm. our kids. And not to say enter not to say, well, forget about what's happening over here, but to recognize education of girls is a threat to to many people, and society will try to make it dangerous for them. Now, the other thing that I think that, that, you know, your greatest influences, and I'm going to tell you, like, people, you talk about, you know, where you've been and when you went to school, but you're right from here. Your mother mm-hmm. raised you, I mean, <laughs> and, and is very, I mean, active in the community and as, as influential as anyone else, but you were also influenced by your brother who yes. still is looking down on us from heaven, but is still right there with you. Mm -hmm. What do you carry Mm -hmm. of your brother's spirit in your spirit as you do this work? My brother's spirit, service. He's very passionate about service to his community, uh, to his country. Uh, He's very passionate about mentoring young people, uh, just very loyal. He has a spirit of of joy that I try to carry in my spirit as well. And he was committed to being inclusive, and he wanted, you know, equality for everyone. And so that is the reason why I founded Bell Global Justice Institute. And I know when people first hear the name, they probably think that it's after me because my name is London Bell, but I actually Mm -hmm. named it after my brother. And for those who may not know, my brother, Staff Sergeant Vincent Bell, he's my younger brother, um, Mm -hmm. my youngest brother, and he served in the Marine Corps for 10 and a half years. And he rose to the rank of Staff Sergeant and he deployed to Iraq four times, 
and then he deployed to Afghanistan where he was killed in action, and that was November 30th, 2011. And uh, he was a, he's a leader. He was a leader, a warrior. And I was very much um, inspired by his work, by his commitment to service in the military. And, um, you know, he believed in the rights of women and girls. He believed in everyone's rights. And so my organization, Bell Global Justice Institute, I founded uh, March 16, 2016, and we've gone through some uh, changes. We were uh, at first focusing exclusively on girls' education, but we've broadened our mission. And I'm just going to read our mission and vision and sure. core value statement. Uh, our mission mm-hmm. is to inspire, empower, build, and mobilize strong voices and impactful actions to advance and preserve the human rights and human dignity of women and girls globally. And our vision is that we believe the possibilities are endless for women and girls through education, advocacy, and leadership development. Our core value statement, uh, our organization is named in honor of Staff Sergeant Vincent J. Bell, the United States Marine Corps. 1983 to 2011 was um, his, the course of his life. Uh, our work is guided and informed by our commitment to and respect for human rights, human dignity, inclusiveness, equality, and social justice. And I believe mm-hmm. Vincent embodied all of those. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and you see it. And, you know, one of the reasons when we were talking earlier, I mean, he walked his walk. He cared about so many things. He inspired yes. you. And not only that, what an inspiration he is to other young men to look at the impact you can be on so many people's lives, even, unfortunately, he's not here in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm, that he does Mm -hmm. that and that lesson to see. And, you know, girls, you know, people talk about how boys need, oh, they need men to look up to, but girls Mm -hmm. also need need that presence in their lives. Now, we know that Vincent would not have been the man that he is, nor you, the warrior mm-hmm. that you were, if you didn't have that warrior mother. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. I My mean, mom, Pamela, she, she taught me everything that I know. She's the first person that I ever knew personally that, that went to Capitol Hill to advocate for the rights of people. And seeing her do that work, and the impact she has had uh, in her work, it, it influenced me to, to go the route that I've gone. Everyone, all, me, myself and my two siblings, my sister Andrea, she is a social worker who focuses in uh, psychiatric care, and we, we're all committed to service. We all do service work. Mm-hmm. We learned that from my I mean, mom. Mm-hmm. But so, you know, I mean, because... And you can see how proud she is of a legacy of your brother. You know, she is a, Mm -hmm. I mean, she's quick to tell you, she's a gold star mother. You're a gold star family. She is so proud of it. Mm -hmm. Which is the other thing that that when you stop and you think of our veterans community, many who fall between the cracks, but to have the example that you two also, not only did you acknowledge what he did in forming 
the Bell Global Justice Institute, but you two mm-hmm. show up at so many things <laughs> with, with service people, you know. Yes. And probably, like I said, when you two walk in the room, but especially your mother, she lets you yes. know right quick, you know. Absolutely. Right Mm-hmm. Yes. Right, that yes. that is that is just like that is really I think, phenomenal. Now, you said that you know you've been doing a lot of things with um, the Global Bell Global Justice Institute. Mm-hmm. What are some of well, who all is involved besides you? So actually, it's a very small group of us. It's actually just mm-hmm. it's myself. Uh, it's uh, my sister Andrea, it's my mom mm-hmm. Pamela, and then mm-hmm. it's uh, just an extension of, of other folks that I like to partner with and, and, and volunteer with to, to reach people in the community. Mm-hmm. And so right now it's a very small group of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're, we're building and we, we plan to get more people involved. Uh, we're still... Um, you know, laying the foundation. We just recently received our 501c3 um, mm-hmm. tax exemption status, which is wonderful. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, we're working on, you know, building new partnerships in 2020. You talked about your mother being the first person that you knew who had gone to the Capitol to advocate for people. But you mm-hmm. are the first person that I know who has been <laughs> to the UN doing this work. How did that come about? I mean, I mean, like, I'm going like, London's at the UN. <laughs> oh, that it's just been, it, my life has been an amazing journey, Michelle, uh, for so many reasons. And I'll tell you, the way that I became uh, able to visit the, U, the United Nations is through an organization called the United Nations Association of the United States of America. And it is a grassroots movement of Americans around the country, nearly 20,000 people who are simply uh, supporting the principles and work of the United Nations. And I am a very proud member of um, this organization, and we do have a local Detroit chapter as well, of which I am a member. And so we we advocate for the UN, and every year um, there are generally two opportunities to gather as um, UN members. One is through the Global Engagement Summit, which generally happens in February, where the United Nations Association organizes uh, some time for us to spend at the United Nations. And uh-huh. so the first time I went was 2017, uh, and we usually meet inside the UN General Assembly Hall, and we hear from speakers. We generally hear from uh, people from the UN. Um, this past year in 2019, uh, myself and my mom, and actually 12, about 12 youth and young adults from the Ruth Ellis Center were at the United Nations inside the UN General Assembly Hall, and we got a chance to hear from the UN Secretary General. He spoke to a crowd of several hundred people, like mm-hmm. 1,500 people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, my, my, um, my, uh, time, the, the, my ability to be able to go to the UN has been through the United Nations Association of the United States. This association is actually one of 100 UNAs around the world uh, that, and their citizens also work to, you know, uh, uplift the principles and work of the UN. So there's a UNA South Africa, there's a UNA Canada, 
So we, we're in very good company around the world. And, now, it's, it's, an, uh, it's an interesting mm-hmm. time that you've been going there, okay, when mm-hmm. we have an administration which seems to be out of step, you know, mm-hmm. out of step with these things. How important, you know, and, and I can recall taking a group of young people um, to D.C. And, and taking them up to where they could lobby and they could see what happened. And they, it made an impact on them when they came back here. How mm-hmm. important in these times when, you know, we hear every other day about making America great again by stepping away from the world, is it, did you feel it was to take young people and have them there to hear this message, to see the United Nations in action. Mm-hmm. It was really very important. In fact, you know, the, the program, one of the programs through Bell Global Justice Institute that I created is called Advocacy in Activism. And it's where I actually uh, worked with Ruth Ellis Youth for several months on a monthly basis talking about the history of voting, the history of the Voting Rights Act, being involved in global issues, using local, national, and international mechanisms of advocacy for local activism. And it was really important that, that in talking about the UN here when I did, you know, workshops, it was also important that they actually saw it in real time. And so having them, and I just want to give a great shout-out to the Ruth Ellis Center and to the United Nations Association for, for partnering to, to ensure that these young people got a chance to see firsthand how the UN works, how, um, what happens when Americans come together in support of the UN. And this was a very special year because the Secretary General of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, who's very, uh, very much um, proud of young people who want to be involved, he was there. And it's rare to, to, to see him in person. And so that, that, even, that made it even more important. And it's so important that young people understand how the world is working, that how globalization keeps us connected, and, and how important it is for the United States to not only be present but have a strong uh, positive presence, have a strong relationship with the United Nations, and, you know, just have leadership at the United Nations. Now, you know, we have seen globally on a number of issues, young people step up to talk about education, to talk about the environment. What did uh, the young people come away feeling charged to, to make that voice from, from Detroit? I know when I was speaking to, when I was working with the young people before we went to the UN, I would, you know, I love listening to young people and the things that they care about. And many of them, uh, of course, cared about issues within the LGBT community, how, uh, you know, uh, LGBT youth are struggling with homelessness and and unemployment and and discrimination and violence. Uh, We we had discussions particularly around the violence uh, happening against uh, transgender women, women and girls. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I'm very proud to share is that when we were at the UN, we were in a breakout session 
uh, the, the UN Association had a uh, panel discussion on uh, women and girls. And one of our youth, uh, one of our young people, Amara, she, there were mm-hmm. people were taking, the panel were taking questions, mm-hmm. and Amara got a chance to ask a question, and there were 500 people in the room. And she asked the question about how the work of those organizations on the panel were being inclusive of the rights of trans women and trans girls. Mm-hmm. And it, you could hear a pin drop in the room. And what I do remember is that they talked about their, their work, but they weren't able to really talk in detail about the work that they're doing in, with trans, in trans women's rights. And I think for me, what I know is that, that I'm sure that sparked something for them. And I don't even know if Amara knows the impact that she had that day, but she had a huge impact. Because as many times as I've been to the UN, no one that, I've never heard anyone ask that question. So that's the, that's the impact that they had at the UN that day. I mean, that, that is phenomenal. I know Amara. And um, yes. we have talked, and I can recall her telling me one day how, because we were talking about what drove her and what did it, and she said that, you know, she mentioned how, she said she wasn't just thinking about herself, she was thinking about the young people, the young trans women who were mm-hmm. going to come after her, and she wanted to yeah. make it better for them. And, you know, and she's a very young lady. And I just, yes. like, I mean, it was like, yeah. And, yeah. and since then, <laughs> I have seen her, I mean, how she has honed that and, and that confidence and to get up there and to speak and to talk about it. Yes. I mean, it is just, like, phenomenal. And to have... Yes. She has such potential, and to have these opportunities to do what she's so passionate about, I mean, yes. that is just, like, phenomenal. I, you know, yes. I thank you for that, for, for, for oh. providing that platform for her. I mean, she is just, you know, the next, the she's next incredible. generation. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. is. She's very she's, passionate. I've had a couple of conversations with her, and I'm just, I'm so proud of her mm-hmm. and young people mm-hmm. like her, you know, because it's not easy to, 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 to speak out. It can be scary, you know, mm-hmm. and she's doing it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I think that that's the important thing is not only is like, you know, after a point we all have to be that person who opens the door for the next one to make sure that they're, they're able to be at that table to have their voice mm-hmm. heard. And like you said, they're going to go back, and they're going to think about what she said. And they might yes. not remember her name, but they're going to say, do you remember that young woman who came and mm-hmm. talked to us and asked us what we were doing about trans women and the murder mm-hmm. of them and their lives? Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, just like, mm-hmm. that is just like really phenomenal. Well, that's a perfect yes. place for us to take our, our first break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Beijing plus 25. So we'll be right there. Okay. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership 
with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. Back here on Collections by Michelle Brown with the founder and president of Bell Global Justice Institute, London Bell. Now, London, back in back back 25 years ago, mm-hmm. um, I remember Marianne Mahaffey, who had been on the Detroit City Council, was going to lead a delegation to go to Beijing, and mm-hmm. um, a lot of us. I mean, I was on the board of the Detroit Coffee House, Coffee House, and we were. We did fundraising to try to hopefully send somebody to go with her um, mm-hmm. because it was, it was just like it was such an important issue. Here we are mm-hmm. 25 years later. Mm-hmm. What, for those who, who, who weren't in, you know, and let's face it, it wasn't that big a thing where, you know, everybody knew about it. What is CSW 64 or Beijing plus 25? that we're talking about yes. this year. Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm going to start out talking about, I'll talk about the Beijing Declaration and Platform for Action, mm-hmm. uh, give mm-hmm. a little background information. So in 1995, 25 years ago, uh, governments from around the world, uh, advocates, activists from all over the world, there were several thousand people uh, met in Beijing, China for two weeks uh-huh. for the fourth World Conference on Women. And so for those two weeks, uh, the discussion focused exclusively on the rights of women and girls and how to move forward with protecting the rights of women and girls. And so heads of government, civil society, uh, debated on issues, negotiated on on human rights issues, and then at the end of that two-week period, they came together and were able to develop the most comprehensive uh, international policy ever written uh, to uh, to advance the rights of women and girls. And that international policy is called the Beijing Declaration and Platform for Action. And so this this Beijing Declaration, which this year is known as um, because it's the 25th anniversary, it's 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 known as Beijing 25. And so this this declaration, this policy covers uh, 12 different areas that governments that were there. There were about 190 governments that were there, I believe. Most governments around the world adopted this platform. And so it, it focuses on 12 critical areas, and I'm just going to read them off. Uh, sure. Women in poverty, uh, women in poverty, education and training of women, women in health, violence against women, women in armed conflict, women in the economy, women in power and decision-making, institutional mechanisms for the advancement of women, the human rights of women, women in media, 
women in the environment, and then the girl child. So collectively, globally, uh, we are all working to um, develop ways to um, address these critical areas of concern in, in countries around the world, every country, for women and girls everywhere. And so about every five years or so, I know they did a, a review after the first year. Uh, there's been a review after the fifth year. And then over the years, they've done reviews to see how far the world has gotten in implementing this international policy. And this year, uh, we, as a global community, will again look at the, the progress and of the implementation of this policy. And it will be done throughout the year, uh, throughout many of the programs that the UN is doing this year. Uh, by the way, it's wonderful because in addition to the Beijing Declaration being 25, the United Nations is actually turning 75 this year. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk mm-hmm. about that later. But So uh, an important conversation is going to be happening in March uh, at the what is called the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women. And that was established in 1946. And it's a commission that was established through one of its, the United Nations' six main organs, which is the UN Economic and Social Council, uh, ECOSOC. And ECOSOC is sort of the window uh, the, to, for the UN to in, engage with civil society, non-governmental organizations. And so the Commission on the Status of Women is known as CSW, and it's Mm -hmm. completely dedicated to promoting gender equality and the empowerment of women and girls. And so every year in March, since 1946, every year in March for two weeks during International Women's Month, the global community comes together, member states from the UN, heads of state, and activists and civil society come together at the UN headquarters in New York and for two weeks they dedicate the conversations around um, generally there is a theme that that's done every year this year the theme uh, will be the review of the implementation of the Beijing Declaration and Platform for Action so this year will be the 64th session and so that's why it's known as CSW 64 Mm -hmm. Now, you know, if you could, well, we know there's a long way to go, but what do you see has been some of the successes since 25 years ago? What, What has happened that you can say, okay, well, we've made some progress on these areas, even though we know there's a, you know, and we'll talk about the areas yet to go, but what? You know, what are some successes? You know, I've, I've had the opportunity to, uh, to be a delegate for the United Nations Association uh, at the Commission on the Status of Women for the last uh, two years. And one of the things that I've learned is that um, women being able to participate in the political process is changing in some parts of the world. And in and Rwanda, what I've learned is that 50% of its government, its cabinet, is actually female. Rwanda mm-hmm. and Ethiopia, yeah, have high numbers mm-hmm. of women in its government. And then when I think about the United States, 
we still have uh, very few women uh, in Congress. However, women of color um, have, have really risen to, and they, people are actually running for office, and women are being celebrated more and being encouraged more, I believe, to be involved in the political process um, at all levels of government. That's one of the things that I see that has, has changed tremendously. Um, the other thing that I'm seeing also over the years is that I'm seeing where women and girls are speaking out more. What I've noticed in just in local communities here in the city of Detroit, uh, young girls, are, um, they're exercising their agency, and they're speaking out about issues, and they are organizing, and they are supporting one another. And I think that that's a great, a great um, thing that has developed over the years as well. One of the other things that I really appreciated in uh, 2018 when I was a delegate at the UN Commission on the Status of Women was that the UN Secretary General, uh, he declared himself a feminist. And he mm. is actually working for uh, parity, full parity in the UN under, you know, the administration of the UN. And he's working to make sure that 50% of the, of the staff at the UN in his department are women. And so he's made, a con- he's made a conscious effort to make sure that women are represented uh, throughout the UN. And so I, I see that as a, as a huge accomplishment since the Beijing Declaration was adopted. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, yeah, you know, like I said, there are a lot of things that you do see. I mean, you see a number of countries that are led by women. Like you, like you were mentioning, you know, we've had a number of world leaders. And then, mm-hmm. you know... And then we have here, you know. But then, yeah. and then, and then we have here, and you know where, where, and the voices that you see that are are able to come up. And you know, one of the things that I can recall from that, and that that we began talking about back in '95, and continue to talk about was as you lift women up, you lift mm-hmm. society up. And mm-hmm. I have seen yeah. that in in communities all over, everywhere from where, you know, when you gave women microloans so they could start their own businesses, how that affected the whole community, you know, education, you know. But we mm-hmm. have a, a long way yet to go. Yes. So what are you looking to for, you know, you said that the theme is going to be about focus on the 25th anniversary and mm-hmm. uh, the Beijing Declaration Platform for Action. What are some of mm-hmm. the, the things in the Declaration and Platform for Action that haven't gotten there yet? Yes, there are uh, several areas uh, of concern for me. Um, and, you know that I that I want to uh, want the world to pay attention to is uh, the number of women that have um, the, the amount of violence against women that is happening around the world is, is, is it's very scary as a woman living in the world. It's also very painful to know uh, that the stories that are coming out of Detroit and other cities and other countries around the world of the amount of violence um, that's happening against women and girls. I, and I, that's an area that the world still need to work on 
uh, still needs to work on. Um, you know, the number of the, the women, women and girls who are living in poverty, um, women and girls who are not able to go to school, those are other areas. And then the amount of sexual violence that happens uh, when countries are involved in armed conflict is also mm-hmm. an issue as well. Mm-hmm. So those are, those are different things. And those, is, those, those issues are being discussed at the UN. They are being discussed within, you know, civil society circles. And, you know, when people have an opportunity to speak with their governments, people are talking about these things, um, but we still have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was, you know, it's interesting because when you talk to people about it, you know, people will go like, oh, did you see an India woman, they were riding the bus, so they were doing this and they were raped. But then, you know, mm-hmm. we've got people here who were using a car service, and the same thing yeah. is happening, you know. Yeah, yeah. And the same thing you know, is, and, is happening. And then... You know, the, the intimate partner violence, I mean, the, you know, just hearing the stories of women, you know, even in De- the Detroit community that are being killed, you know, by their intimate partners, you know, it, it, it's, it's very painful. And what's important to me is that the voices of these women, um, the stories of these women, the families, that, 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 they're, that they're actually also being included in these conversations, these global conversations in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because often, I mean, and it's important, like you said, that they do talk about it on a global level because it is a global problem. Although often I was telling someone, once so I was in, in Cartagena, and mm-hmm. I had someone who was telling me about, oh, well, you know, just the horrible things that were happening. But, you know, that doesn't happen. You don't know about this. So it doesn't happen in America. And I told them, I said, you mm-hmm. know, this, what you're talking about, could happen in a neighborhood in my community. Yeah. The same yeah. thing. So, you know, how do we, you know, how, focus on what's happening here, but also link it to what's happening globally? And what resources or strengths can we, we gain by connecting our struggles with the global struggle? I think um, it's important for local communities. I I like the term, um, what is it, think local, act global, Mm -hmm. something in that. Yeah, I I think it's Mm -hmm. really important for local communities to, to think about the global community as well. Think of the interconnectedness between, you know, what's happening here at home and other cities around the world, particularly for uh, the diaspora, the African diaspora. It's imp- I just really believe it's important for, for um, the black community to know that what's happening here at home, the issues that we're facing, they're also happening in Colombia. They're also happening in Afro communities in all parts of the world. So speaking mm-hmm. from you know, as a person that's African-American, I, I think first and foremost that's important. And secondly, just for everyone, for the broader community, I think it's important that uh, individuals understand and know that, you know, it's not us, we're not alone. 
first of all, we're not alone in some of the things that we're experiencing, that there are other people around the world that are experiencing something similar or the same, and that we can, we can take our issues to the UN. We can, we can support each other uh, across countries. And, and there are mechanisms that, I, that are, are available to us as Americans that we don't know about because it's not something that we particularly learn about in school. And I, I think it's just like with my program, Advocacy and Activism, there are local, national, and international mechanisms that Americans can use to further promote human rights here at home. Um, and I'll give you an example. So as a member of the United Nations Association and its Greater Detroit chapter, uh, this past year I organized uh, three human rights consultations in the city of Detroit, one on the issue of water, one on uh, gender-based violence, and one on um, LGBT rights. And the reason why that was important is because the United Nations Association was gathering information from, you know, people all across the country to put together what's called shadow, a shadow report. And, and a shadow report is used to talk about what's happening on the ground as far as human rights in different local communities uh, and send to the UN so that the UN is aware of what's going on. Shadow reports are used during the time that the United States and other countries appear before the UN to have its human rights record reviewed. And in May of this year, uh, the United States is up for review uh, under, okay. under a process called the uh, Universal Periodic Review. So they will be appearing before the UN in Geneva, Switzerland, to have its record review. And part of the stories of people in Detroit uh, are actually included in several different reports that the United Nations Association is sending for the UN to review at the same time it's reviewing the U.S. human rights record. And so the U.S. will get recommendations from the United Nations on how to advance human rights here at home or change some of the policies that it has. And Americans here in Detroit, uh, uh, people living in Detroit, had a say mm. in how that information will be relayed back to the U.S. So it's important that, that we know at home what mechanisms are available at the U.N., not only to to talk about what's happening globally, but also to bring to the attention of the global community of what's happening here with us. Yeah, because I think I said often, you know, we don't we don't think about. But also, you know, we have had this going in there to tell people how they should, they are supposed to live, and mm-hmm. and what's wrong without being checked on some of the, the things that where we're falling through the cracks. You know, where, our, where mm-hmm. our citizens are suffering, you know, when you stop and you think of mm-hmm. issues about the environment, about food deserts, about attacks, violence against the women, you know, yeah. the fact that we are yeah. just, the Equal Rights Amendment still hasn't been, you know, it just now mm-hmm. made it through the 38th state. I mean, so there are a lot of areas where, you know, we need to be the country looking in the mirror, you know, and yeah. seeing what yeah. we need to do. Exactly, and, and I'm very proud because the United Nations Association submitted 11 shadow reports 
to the mm-hmm. UN. So when the U.S. appears, you know, it, and so Americans got a chance to say, you know, what's happening locally, and I'm I'm very proud of that. Now, I'm I'm sure you weren't invited to the White House to discuss some of these things, but have you had conversations <laughs> with, with local government representation on the city, the state, the county level? Um, these are some of the things and what they could do? You know, I've uh, focused a lot of my work around talking with uh, congressional members, um, United States Congress. I haven't yet had a lot of time to uh, connect. I haven't had a chance to connect um, with local uh, government, but that is one of the priorities I want to make this year and for several different reasons because some of the some of these things that are happening at the UN level would could very much be adopted locally uh, by you know city council members mayors and state and house um, members in the state of Michigan so that is a priority that I that I have mm-hmm. yeah I mean it is I mean it's sort of like don't you know we have to look at this and and who are your champions who do you see that when you go and you say you know is there someone do we have i don't even know who our representative at the un is anymore i mean since you know things change you know um who who do we have who is it now i mean what was her name haley the the, oh uh, nikki haley nikki haley yeah so who took yeah. that place? So let me just um, pull that up right quick, U.S. Ambassador. And while I'm talking, um, while I'm um, pulling that up, one of the things that I can say is Senator Peters and Senator Stabenow have been very supportive uh, mm-hmm. of the work uh, of the U.N. And um, it's it's been really nice meeting and talking talking with their offices. Uh, so Kelly Kraft is the current U.S. ambassador to the U.N. And we are still, uh, we're excited about her, you know, starting her post. Uh, I believe it looks like she began in sometime in the fall mm-hmm. of last year. And so uh, I'm excited about her, her being there and um, I want to get to know her more. Um, one of the things that, um, you know, as a UN Association member is that we, we're excited to, to work with whoever is the mm-hmm. current U.S. ambassador. So I'm sure over time we'll get to know her more. Um, but I'm always excited about, you know, who's, you know, representing us at the UN and, and learning mm-hmm. more and just learning ways that, you know, we can work together. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, you know, and, and that's the way to to go into it because although, you know, it's a, they're appointed, you know, it is mm-hmm. also that opportunity to have that voice that when they're there doing doing things mm-hmm. and to have that door open to you. Uh, yeah. So we're, so we're going to take um, our next break, and then we're going to talk about what you're doing in conjunction mm-hmm. with, Beijing 2020. So we'll be right there.
Reflections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. And we're back here with London Bell, uh, Bell Global Justice. Now, Bell Global Justice Institute is going Mm -hmm. to do a parallel event. And Mm -hmm. I know that the title of it is Promising Practices for Beijing 25, Strengthening Visibility for Women of Color. That's a mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Tell me about this parallel event and how did you come up with that focus? Yes, yes, definitely. So, and so um, before I talk about that, I just want to talk a little bit about the differences between a parallel event and a side event. Um, Side events um, are panel discussions that happen inside the UN and they're, they're hosted by member states. And so one of the exciting parts about being a delegate is that you get a chance to see countries come together to to host panels. And so I've been in a room with Ethiopia and other countries, and it's just fascinating to see. So they do side events. And then simultaneously uh, in different parts of the city, um, including across the street from the UN, uh, NGOs or non-governmental organizations host parallel events. And so that's where, you know, civil society comes together and, and hosts conversations as member states are hosting conversations inside the UN. So our parallel event, um, and it's really wonderful how uh, it is coming together. I'm very excited. Um, so in order to host a parallel event, generally the NGO Commission on the Status of Women NGOCSW, which is an organization in New York that oversees and organizes uh, civil society, they uh, do a call for proposals. And um, uh, we, I submitted a proposal uh, in partnership with the Ruth Ellis Center, uh, Detroit Police Department, On My Detroit Everything, um, uh, Deidre Essen Smith, and then For the Love of Her, Famika Edmond. We worked together, and we submitted a proposal uh, at the end of last year, and uh, our proposal, along with more than 550 other proposals from around the globe, were selected. And so wow. this is truly a global, truly a global process because mm-hmm. of all corners of the globe. And so our parallel event, because this is a review of the implementation of the Beijing Declaration and Platform for Action, we're looking to to talk about the intersectionality of women and strengthening the visibility of women of color, particularly black women, in this process of implementing Beijing. And we have have what I think are, are promising practices, our best practices that we could talk about at the UN for women and men around the world who are actually doing this work. So, for instance, um, so it would be myself, 
uh, my mom, Pamela Alexander from the Ruth Ellis Center, Corporal Danny Woods from the Detroit Police Department, uh, Deidre Smith from All My Detroit Everything, and Famika Edmond, the founder of For the Love of Her. Each of us are working uh, in an area where we are really advancing, you know, women. And we all have a story. We all have best practices. And to give you an example, um, Officer uh, Danny Woods, she is uh, part of the Chief's Neighborhood Liaison Unit, and she uh-huh. has worked diligently. And you know, Danny, she works diligently oh, yeah. in build, yeah, building community um, with law enforcement, you know, building that bridge between law enforcement and community. And she has done an absolutely fantastic job, her and, and her colleagues, in, in working to um, build that bridge to, to include local citizens in the work. And, and, and also she, she has a, a program, a mentorship program that DPD does around girls that she'll also be talking about. I, you know, this is a best practice. Because in many communities around the world, you know, and even in the United States, the, the relationship between law enforcement and community is just is not strong. Uh-huh. And this is an example of where it is. And, uh-huh. and she's a woman of color, and, and she's a powerful voice. And so, you know, having her and, and Deidre, Deidre will be talking about using art and spoken word mm-hmm. and uh, healing and conflict resolution. These are, these are practical ways that, um, or things that people can adopt when they go back home and work in their own local communities. That Danny mm-hmm. is, is, is so much can be learned from her as far as police and community relationships, uh, as far as grace under fire, keeping mm-hmm. her poise and building those bridges. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, she's just phenomenal. I've heard Deidre perform again in another perfect, you know, perfect yeah. guest of Detroit, you know? Yeah. And then Famika. Famika has, has, you know, I've had many conversations with Famika, and she is very passionate about uh, the con- connection with women, black women in health. You know, the rise of STDs and HIV rates among black women mm-hmm. and how it's not being addressed. And then, mm-hmm. you know, self-esteem of, of, of women and, and, and empowering women. And so she'll be talking about, you know, a combination of all of those things and, and, and helping the, the global community understand how important it is to, to put a priority on the health and wellness of black women, of women of color. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. and not just in talking about it, but, you know, supporting it financially and, and making sure black women are at the table, women of color are at the table when decisions are being made. You know, and then you have my mother, Pamela, who's a deputy director of the Ruth Ellis Center, and she has, you know, created a program, the Center for Lesbian and Queer Women and Girls at Kofi House. And it's a safe space. For lesbian and queer women and girls because those spaces have been disappearing for years and so she'll be able to talk about all of the programming that has been developed and the support around uh, the center and and it's also named after Dr. Kofi Um, and so she'll be able to talk about that myself 
uh, I'm talking about the intersectionality of a woman of color and living with a disability and mm. what that looks like and how hard it is often to, to be at the table, not just because mm-hmm. of um, your disability, but because you're often left behind. And, in fact, I'll tell you, I'm wearing oxygen right now as we're mm-hmm. sitting and talking. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just the intersectionality of women and, and making sure that the Beijing Declaration, it speaks to that because there are some gaps there with the Beijing Declaration, and we want to make sure that women of color are visible. You know, it's interesting. You know, I work, I work with um, on a community table, and there are two women with dis- different disabilities, and one of them said how uh, not only making sure that she's at the table, but often feeling that invisibility, you know, mm-hmm. for, for mm-hmm. people in the disabilities rights community and how that is just come, starting to come back and, you know, to have her voice, you know, where not having people want to, to talk about it. And there are a lot of people living with disabilities. You know, I know mm-hmm. people who have disabilities from all different kinds of things and that you shouldn't have to, you know, you should be at the table. You have to live. You have to to go on. You have mm-hmm. a voice. And what you do helps. I mean, you have yeah. pulled together a a powerhouse. I mean, covering yeah. so many things that you know. But I think that if people think about Detroit, that they might not think of these topics coming up from it. You know, mm-hmm. often yeah. when people think about the arts, they think about people who left Detroit and went on to fame and fortune, mm-hmm. not that the, the rich artist community that we have here, mm-hmm. often when they think about police, they many people go back to the riots, you know, yeah. and, and, mm-hmm. un, and unfortunate things not to see how we have come. And, and that's another big story to see how we have come from back in the riots when the police force was predominantly white in a black city mm-hmm. to now where we have a number of, just because we have black police officers doesn't mean that mm-hmm. there still isn't a need to work within the community. And you see that mm-hmm. in other places where, you know, you have members of the community. How do you just not become a police person, you know, right. and see blue instead of the community? You know, your mom, right. you know, we yes. know that there's LGBTQ people are, are everywhere, you know, and I know mm-hmm, a lot of mm-hmm. them. I talked to someone who had even said, you know, about coming out and having a safe space to feel out. Even, mm-hmm. you know, people go, well, oh, everybody's all on TV. But it's different if you're queer walking down the street or you want to hold your partner's hand or you're looking for mm-hmm. some place to go where you can be that. So, and then you talking about disabilities and and, uh, you know, and I often tell people it's like people who are differently able. You know, you can do, yeah. obviously, you, you do a whole lot more than a whole lot of people I know who people would say are able-bodied, you know, but <laughs> maybe you have, to, you have to do your interview with your oxygen on. It doesn't mean that you yeah. can't do it, you know. So, I yeah. mean, it's like mm-hmm. the things that you have, you have brought together, I mean, this is just like really powerful. Who will be attending yeah. this? So, yes, that's a great question. So the people that will be attending will be people from all over the globe who will be uh, delegates, either delegates uh, at the Commission on the Status of Women 
through their nonprofit or NGO or potentially uh, representing their government. There also will be uh, local community in New York. Uh, There are people that fly in just to attend different groups, um, parallel events throughout the city. So it will be a combination. It will be intergenerational. It will be intercultural. There will, people be, there will be people there that are multilingual. Uh, the, every uh, gender identity and sexual orientation, it will be very, very broad. And the goal is for everyone that does attend uh, to, to take away something, uh, something that uh, they have heard that is a best practice that they could take back home to their communities, wherever they are in the world, to, to bring to their community at the table. Um, and so for me, to know that uh, we are going to have a woman of color talking about uh, the health and wellness of women of color, um, you know, it's very important that we're telling our own stories. And so those are, those are the people that are going to be there. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, there's an awful lot going on in New York, you know, um, yes. Are you while you're there? Are you hoping to connect with other organizations, people who are doing things, not only around the the UN, but just like um, you know, community wise? Are you hoping to connect with some of them? Yes, uh, yes, actually, and I I hope that uh, all of us um, that are speaking that day um, in our parallel for our parallel event will be able to do the same is make connections with other organizations, uh, individuals doing similar work, and hopefully building relationships, building bridges, global connections. That's, that's mm-hmm. what I hope. Usually when I go to New York for the Commission on the Status of Women, I always try to do something else while I'm there. Uh, last year, uh, actually it was in 2018, I did have a chance to visit uh, the Malcolm X and Dr. Betty Shabazz Center, uh, visited uh-huh. the Schomburg Center, uh-huh. you know. So it's, connecting with community outside of that area of the UN is also important as well, and, and participating in the culture, you know, of New uh-huh. York. Harlem is my favorite place to be. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I know, like, because I was thinking of, like, in Brooklyn, what is it, the Black Women's Blueprint, um, yes. which has done... You know, I, th- I think of them, and I know that I want to say later in July there's a conference that I mean to make want to make sure that your mother is aware that um, yes. every other year, you know, that has to do with, with um, the lesbian community. But I'll make sure that she gets that information. But, I mean, there's so many, so many things that you did. Were you surprised when you got the call that, yes, your proposal was accepted? You know, I was, I think I was more um, happy and I felt more joy than mm-hmm. surprised because I know that this is necessary, this conversation. Mm-hmm. This, this conversation will be very unique and it's very necessary. And I had a feeling that the organizers were going to think the same. You know, um, of how important mm-hmm. this, this conversation is. If there are going to be so many different conversations, but I think that ours is very unique. And I think that they mm-hmm. know that. So, mm-hmm. very happy. Just, just, I'm right, so that, overjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> 
very, very happy to, you know, for my small organization to be able to bring women of this level to the table is just, and then to go all the way to New York, it, it's just um, unreal for me, you know. Well, you know what, it's that the work that you're supposed to be doing, you know. I mean, that's, yeah. it's, it's the work that you're supposed to be doing. And when you're on the path to doing the work that you're, you're supposed to be doing, the right door is open. You know, the right door is open. You're right. You're there, you know. You're very right. You're very right. Um, I wanted to um, just talk, give, do a couple of announcements at the end. So yeah, so I know. That's what I was getting ready to say, that we're getting um, close to the end. And so mm-hmm. please. Yeah, so one of the things that I want to encourage everyone to go to my website, uh, bellglobaljustice.org, to, to learn more information, follow us on Facebook uh, at Bell Global Justice, because that's where I'm going to be posting information and that, um, about CSW64. It's where I post about Beijing 25 and all different you know, relevant information. One of the things I want for your listeners also to know is that this year is the 75th uh, anniversary of the United Nations, and it's a really, really big year because the United Nations is actually having a global conversation. They want to hear from from uh, global citizens on what kind of world we want to have and, and what we should be doing before the 100th anniversary wow. of the United Nations. So I want to encourage everyone to go to the UN uh, website to take part in a um, small questionnaire and and voice your opinions about what you want the UN to be doing uh, over the next 25 years. And so the website is uh, www.un.org slash en slash un75. And it takes about two minutes to do, and it's just asking you for your voice, for your input. You know, what what kind of work do you want the UN to focus on? That information is going to be gathered, and and UN is going to um, take it most likely to the UN General Assembly, and they're gonna they're gonna put a plan together. And I want for everyone in Detroit to partake mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. You know, and also at that site, you know, because I know that there's some people who, you know, other than their view of, of the U.N., you know, it's that building in New York, all the flags, you know, mm-hmm. um, people mm-hmm. come from all over. You know, maybe they've seen something on TV, you know, they saw Black Panther and people had on headphones, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. but, but people want to know what the U.N. is, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is that the best place to go to? Uh, UN.org, yes, that mm-hmm. is a very good place to go to, UN.org, and that's where you can also access the information on the 75th anniversary. So, yes, www.un.org, and it has so many um, uh, areas that you can learn about. You can even live stream uh, sessions at the UN. Um, yeah, it's a great place to learn more information. And the one thing I would like for people to know and take away with is that it is a place of uh, where where people gather. It's, it's a it's a place where multilateralism happens, 
and mm-hmm. and and it's it's a great place for people to come together to discuss issues, you know, around peace and security and all of the things that we're experiencing today in the world. And can you talk a bit about the United Nations Association? Because, you know, I looked at the word on the page and I thought that one of the great things it says is the world needs the U.N. and the U.N. needs you. So if you look at the yes. U.N. website and you sort of feel like overwhelmed, I think mm-hmm. that, you know, just looking at this, at the U.N. Association, can yes. you explain a little bit about yes. that and how can people be engaged with that? Absolutely, absolutely. So... As I was saying earlier, the United Nations Association of the United States, UNAUSA, it's a grassroots um, movement in the United States of, of, a, of people in the U.S. that support the principles and work of the U.N. And it's where everyday citizens, everyday local folks in the United States can get involved in what's happening there. And you can do that by becoming a member of UNAUSA. And the first year, uh, it's $25 just to join. And, 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 and being a member, you have opportunities to uh, voice your opinion, to meet with and, and fellowship with other, uh, you know, people who are like-minded. And, and you even get a chance to apply to be a delegate you get a chance to, you know, you could travel and go to D.C. for a leadership summit. There are so many ways that you can engage. Uh, right now there are nearly 20,000 uh, members and 200-plus chapters around the country. And so I would encourage people to go to unausa.org to learn more about UNAUSA. And then even further, UNA Detroit. Dot org because we have a local chapter here uh, for anyone that's interested in learning more about what's, what Detroiters are doing to support the United Nations. Okay, and the, most, the biggest and the best of all, Bell Global Justice Institute. Yes. What's happening with you? Yes. How can people become involved, learn more about it, uh, get on your mailing list, know everything? Yes, yes. So um, you can <laughs> you can uh, learn more about Bell Global Justice Institute by visiting bellglobaljustice.org. You can reach out to me directly at London, London at bellglobaljustice.org. And know that uh, right now what I would really encourage folks to do is go to the website and read the 2019 sort of year-end report on all the things that we accomplished in Mm -hmm. 2019, which was a lot. And then Mm -hmm. uh, take a look at the programming. uh, We do United Nations one-on-one workshops. For anyone that's interested in having that, you know, one-on-one chat about what the UN does, we are doing some programming with Wayne County Community College District's Diversity and Inclusion Program around International Women's Day and Earth Day, so look out for that information. Uh-huh. And you can sign up to uh, receive uh, email through the website. Uh-huh. But, yeah, reach out. Reach out and, uh, you know, would love to connect. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you know, it's a, it's a great connection to have, not only with you but with your mom, um, with these, these, this crew you're putting together to take to the U.N. I mean, this is yeah. just I can see that afterwards many people would want to, to hear about this experience 
And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's going to be very inspiring to people. London, again, thank I you. thank you for being with me. You are a personal shero for me. You inspire me. Oh. You know, I mean, you make me think. Um, and, you know, I thank your mother for bringing you into into the world. <laughs> and <laughs> oddly, you know, in a, in a strange sort of way, because I knew you, I knew your mother. I didn't know you were mother and daughter until all of a sudden, yeah. I just knew you were two really great people. And then it was like, when I found out, I was like, of course they are. You know, so, uh, um, I want you to, you know, so, I mean, I only see, see great things, more great things coming from you. And it is important that our voice, our voice from mm-hmm. Detroit, which is also the voice yes. from America, you know, black yes. America is going yes. to be on that stage. And I yes. thank you and appreciate you for all your work. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. It means so much to me to, to, to hear that from you. I really admire you <laughs> very <laughs> much. So thank you. <laughs> Okay. Well, I will. I'll probably talk to you before. I know I'll talk to you afterwards because I'm going to want to hear all about it. Um, okay. Okay. And so, okay. with that, I bid you adieu. You have a great night. I want to thank my guest, the president and CEO of Bell Global Justice Institute, London Bell, Bell Global Justice Institute and partnership with the Ruth Ellis Center will be hosting an NGO parallel event during the 64th session of United Nations Commission on the Status of Women this March 9th to 20th at the United Nations headquarters in New York, featuring a panel of Detroit area activists. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of a show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.